Romans 6. If anyone has a church Bible open, could you let me know what page number it is, just for those who might need that? 1132. Page 1132. Thank you, Tony. Paul is continuing his uh, explanation of the gospel. Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in sin any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under law, but you are under grace. What then? Shall we sin? Because we're not under law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one that you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God, though you used to be slaves to sin, You have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness that leads to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from those things that you are now ashamed of? Those things that result in death. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit that you reap leads to holiness. And the result of that is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, thank you for your word. We pray its fruitful blessing in Jesus' name. Chapter 6 is really setting up a contrast here. The contrast is either sin and death on the one hand, or life and and grace on the other hand. So to summarize it, if it's this, then that. If it's this, then that. If you could put the other one up. I've done an an amazing graphic. And and play. uh, There's more. Right. Imagine that in between, right in the middle across the page, it says, if this, then that. And then, ah, there we go. I don't know why it was a video. I couldn't work that out. So we just, we just have to just play it. Just play the video. It's only five seconds. This is going to distract everybody. We've got to get this right. We've got to see this, haven't we? Paul never had this. He should have talked about this in chapter 6, shouldn't he? Don't rely on technology. Ah, right. So, all right, okay, so if this, then that. If it's not going to work, Carl, just put the, put the ship picture up. We'll come to that ship picture in a minute. So you've got sin and death, and you've got life and grace, okay? So if it's sin, if you choose that, and you're free to choose that, by the way, so be it. Live with your consequences, Live with death. Live with those things. We'll be seeing you. But if it's life and grace, then live that out. So if this, then that. It's perfectly simple. But Paul is um, an ultra-biblical realist. He's not even expecting perfection. Now, in in a room this size, there will be some perfectionists amongst us. God of grace, have mercy on them sinners all. But Paul is an ultra-biblical realist. He's not expecting perfection. He's not even at this point expecting logic because in chapter 7, he will go on to explain his own agonizing life. I do not know why I do the things I do. Okay, so it's not just sheer perfectionism or just even logic. He goes on to talk about, in chapter 7, his own inconsistencies. And when he talks about his own inconsistencies, he means our inconsistencies. Every one of us. We don't know why we choose the things we do. If this, then that. And so while he argues in chapter 6 for grace, he knows he knows in his bones, and we know in our bones, it's just, it's just not that simple. And we also know it's not that simple, don't we? Because a Christian is not someone who is unaware of their state of sin. And a Christian is not indifferent to that state. It's, if, if you're a Christian, it, sin and our habits and choosing those things that we shouldn't choose are kind of, they're like an agony to us. But a Christian is also, like Paul, is, is not choosing perfectionism because perfectionism is the enemy of grace because if we could be perfect in this life we wouldn't need grace so perfectionism is the enemy of grace and real grace 
is the power of God made real and effective for the believer. We need God's grace, don't we? So, we came to church this morning voluntarily, I hope. Is there anyone here against their will? I hope not. But we also came knowing, you know, deep down in our old weary bones that however hard we try to live this difficult Christian life, however many times we screw it up, that we need Christ again, do we not? We need Christ again today. Today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart, is as much a plea for the Christian as it is for the, uh, for the non-Christian. So the victory of God's grace is not a free ticket to lackadaisicalness. And that's how Paul begins. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may keep on abounding? Paul says that's ridiculous. No, 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 no. By no means. Heaven forbid. We don't prove God's grace by just having a lackadaisical approach to life. As though the more I sin, the more I could show God's grace. Like an, I was talking with Julian about the plastic bottles that we that we all recycle. We all recycle them, right? I could argue, because I drink bottled fizzy water, I could argue that I recycle more than all of you because I buy more plastic bottles to recycle than all of you. Shall I buy plastic bottles so that recycling may abound? Shall we sin so that grace may abound? This is the, the exact point of Paul's argument at this point. And he says, no, no, no. It is as though God's grace is a given. We take it for granted. We can do whatever we want, and we say, by no means. Don't take the grace of God for granted. I once heard someone say, if I'm going to heaven, what's the point of even trying to be a Christian? That's another way to say, I will keep on sinning so that God's grace may keep on abounding. It's just ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. And this is the same thought process that the uh, Israelites had in the Old Testament. They said, we have the law of Moses. God has made his promises. He's given us his covenant. He's promised us a king on the throne forever. He has said he will never leave the temple of Jerusalem. He said we will never leave this land. Therefore, we can do what we want. And that's why the Old Testament is so long. Because they did what they wanted. They misunderstood the grace of God in their lives. And it was catastrophic for them. But the point of grace is for us to respond to it. Because grace is the power that enables us to learn to love the thing that, God's, that God loves. Grace is the power that helps us to learn to love the thing that God loves, the things that God loves. Do you love, you love God, I know you're going to say, everyone's going to say yes, but are you learning to love the things that God loves? That's the process of sanctification that Paul is encouraging us in today. Learning to love the thing that God loves. Because grace is not the tool 
that enables us to just go our merry way. Because if sin, then death. And so verse 11 says, You must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, imagine you are on a slave ship. The old captain demands impossible things of you. He beats you. He mistreats you. He barks his orders. And then a new captain comes on board. And the old captain is diminished to the shadows. The new captain sets you free. But you must still serve on the boat and change course to a new destination. And you're following the orders of the new captain now. But the old captain still lingers. You still hear his voice telling you that you are worthless, that you are useless, that you are pointless. But the old captain has no power on that ship. And all we have to do in the Christian life, under the power of God, in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit, is to not listen to the old voice, but listen to the new voice. And the new voice is Jesus, and he takes ownership of you in a life of grace. And all you have to do is sail to the shore where he has told you to sail. His voice is the voice that is comforting. My sheep hear my voice. They know me. They follow me. And we know that very well. And we have to learn to follow and hear the voice of this new captain. Because the Christian life is simply this. When the old captain shouts, Paul will talk about the old captain in chapter 7. I don't know why I do the things that I shouldn't do. Because he's listening to the old captain. When that old captain shouts, what are we supposed to do? Just ignore him. Just ignore him. Do not obey him. Do not stand to attention. And when that ship comes to shore, which it surely will, the old captain will be sentenced to death. And you will be sentenced to life. You will be sanctified. That's why Paul sets up this chapter to get ready for the next two on sanctification. We were in sin. We need salvation. And we, can, we stay saved by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, changing us and helping us to listen to that voice of the new captain. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. So if this, then that. So church, ignore the old captain. His wages are death. Listen to the new captain, for his gift is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. God bless you, church.